Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by United legend Paul Parker to talk over um, the week at Manchester United. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in, like Ben below already uh, in early. If you're watching the replay, feel free to say hello and comment. We do still reply to the comments. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, please be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you are listening on. Yeah, Ben says, good morning, gents. What a surreal 45 minutes that was yesterday. Yeah, we went from, and I said it on air, I was quite happy to say it, it was the best podcast we'd ever recorded last week. In terms of, you know, like we'd beaten Barcelona, we'd won a cup final, it was a great mood to record that podcast in. And now we've got a contender for the worst ever. If you go back over the archives, there's a much longer list of bad results to pick from. And they're all like those are positives. Um, God, Paul, I really don't know where to begin. Um, and I know there's like, it is more or less focused in that 45 minutes um but it's still the result of the game isn't it um, liverpool seven manchester united nil there were some catastrophic results last season bad performances five nil to liverpool um we've been doing um well we've been running through a trend of what is the worst in the modern era you know, is this the worst since Ferguson? But really, this is the joint worst defeat in Manchester United history. The 7 0 against Wolves in December 1931. Nobody is old enough to remember that, not even me. Um, and that, but I can tell you, it wasn't club history one of its periods of flirting with relegation, even went down as far as flirting with the third division at one point. Um, the irony in comparison with this is that everyone thought things were getting better I guess we'll pick the bones out of everything Paul but to start off with and I know it's a difficult one to ask, answer uh, but I know it's probably something you've been thinking about was it a bad day at the office or is it something much deeper than that um, I don't want to come out and say a bad day in the office because it it's happened um, a few times this season early on it's happened over previous over previous system um, seasons as well, not as bad as this, but there's been just as bad as performances, cheap goals, poor individual displays, poor attitudes, and, and it's just a little bit of just come back into fruition again. Things ain't going ain't going the way they want or what they're used to, and then we see a lot of petulance and that come out, and and it just showed in certain ways that certain players. Are still individuals and not team players, and I think that's what um, Ten Hag was alluding to more than anything. And as they say, you always get more from a defeat than what you do a win, because a win will always does. It doesn't matter who you are and what you are; it will mask over a few cracks. Yeah, it does that, and that's what's happened over recent weeks, months. It's been masking over a bit, and it's all come out when it was really needed in a really, really big game. It was needed. And and it, and all the bad bits all come out. To be perfectly honest, when all the bits I've seen, I've seen before, the individuals has all come out. One of them has kind of let me down. Went back to where he was quite a few months back. But it's amazing now how people now are talking about things, which I've said a lot. I've said a lot, a lot of times, been shouted down. 
people throwing up things and just looking at performances rather than looking the bits in between. And the bits in between were quite big. Yeah. Quite big. And everyone everyone could see it, but no one wanted to talk about it because there's more because Manchester United are winning games and that individual was kind of one of the key people in, in helping Manchester United win games. And you can't do that when you're a club at Manchester. You have to look at every individual. If they're not playing the game right, because there's a way to win, but it should be even more so when you lose a game of football. That's when you should really see everything about you as a man. Yeah. Or, or I should say a person in today's world. As a person in the game of football, if you lose that game, you know, there's, there's a there's still that little bit about playing for Manchester United that you show when you lose a game of football. And that wasn't that wasn't right yesterday, the way that some of those players conducted yeah. themselves. Well, let's take the sting out of that. Let's go straight into that. But after a couple of questions, because obviously we've got a few coming in, Patrick says, good morning, guys. Got up at 5am asking myself if it really happened. And it did. Yeah, absolutely, Patrick. I've been gutted and numb since the final whistle yesterday. And I'm still... I feel like I've composed myself to um, make some notes for this, but I still don't know where I, I, I fully feel about it. Um, ben says he agrees with Paul. Once it got to 3-0, there wasn't any kind of team reaction. Really disappointing to see because I thought we were past that. Ryan, a little bit more sympathetic. Um, says, morning, lads. Uh, morning, Ryan. Hope you're well. Says, the fixture pile-up was always going to bite us at some point. Just had to happen against that lot. Still no excuse for the capitulation. Hope we're able to recover. Uh, Patrick, and now this is the point you know, Patrick says difficulty is certain players who have got us out of jail are still part of the problem if we're going to progress. Box says, will certain players recover? Um, and Patrick, it's say, but Bruno and Rashford never allow us to return the ball in big, retain the ball in big matches. And you sort of you, you forgive that with Rashford if he's on the end of moves and he's there to finish moves. Strikers don't normally um, keep you the ball. Um, um, Chris says it's their cup final against us. Our record just not good there. I hope this takeover gets sorted quick. And, well, I, I think yesterday you don't really need to put that down to any any takeover. It's the players on the pitch. I want to talk about this because it was something you mentioned. Obviously, two players we're going to talk about: um, Luke Shaw and Bruno Fernandez. We can all see the strides that United have made and the progress that's been made, and you can see that with the players that's been brought in. Now, I'm not saying that the players who've been brought in were blameless yesterday. I think Casemiro and Martinez had their poorest games for us. I mean, that's evident. I think the concern is when you see Darrow playing as poorly as he did, to a lesser extent, the hair and Fred. You know, Fred's asked to do a job that um, he's not really great at. Um, he's good at finding spaces in the in sort of pockets, but in terms of to get lost in a game like yesterday we did. The, the bigger issue, I think, is with Shaw and Fernandez. Shaw's position was um, suspect. Fernandez um, was suspect in his general performance, but it was the reaction to going 3 0 down, really. And I mean, Shaw seemed to um, completely lose it. And Fernandez, it was. Um, it was embarrassing sometimes some of the stuff that he was doing. I mean, I know Neville's come out and he's he said that he, he he's there's a bit of footage where it looks like he's refusing to come off. I, I don't buy into that. I think he's trying to ask who's meant to be coming off. So I'm not here to give unwarranted criticism. The problem is there's a lot of warranted criticism there and um 
Fernandez is the one carrying the armband. Um, I don't know, Paul. I, you have been critical of this before. That he's not a leader in, in the sort of natural sense of what you would expect, and unfortunately, that um, was proven to be the case yesterday. I, I guess what you were talking about earlier, you were talking about Fernandez and Shaw, right? Yeah, it, it was those two, and I've been very critical of Fernandez. I've been crit- critical, sure, but I like the way um, Luke Shaw has gone about things and the way he's changed his game. The problem is that the moment it went against him, it seemed like he was trying his best to get sent off. What he'd done with Nunes was absolutely embarrassing, what he'd done with Nunes. He's fouled him, put him to the floor when it's totally unnecessary, and then walks into him while he's on the floor. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't, you know, he should have been taken off. Should have taken him off before that. I, I, and I'll be honest, that game had gone another t- five, ten minutes, he would have been sent off. He was. It seemed like he was playing with his sent off or he's, he's trying to create a hard man image. I don't know where this come. This has suddenly come from, this persona he's trying to, to go with, but it just, it just wasn't correct. And when you're looking for your big players in a big game, which I've always said, because that's why Sir Alex was always about, he always looked for his big players in the big games, they, dis- they disappeared. Fernandez. everyone talks about Fernandez. I've always been very critical of Fernandez, regardless of him playing well. And everyone, as today, they want to throw stats up to cover up certain bits. He has never been a captain from day one. I've always said that if anyone should have it, Harry Maguire should have it. David De Gea would have it, should have it, because he's respected by everybody. Everybody respects him on and off the pitch, the way he conducts himself. But they give it to someone who's volatile. I've always said there's a reason why he's arrived at a club like Manchester United so late in his career of all that talent. There's a reason why. And I think we saw that yesterday. He should have been booked because he's he's um, pushed out at an assistant referee. And the assistant yeah. referee should have flagged. And he's gone and done that. That's the captain. Throws himself to the floor. Some people will come out and say, oh, that's simulation. A real person will come out and say, He's tried to cheat what he's done there to get a player sent off. And if he thinks that was going to get a player booked or something and, and take that as an advantage to Manchester United, in my opinion, he's at the wrong club. If that's yeah. how he thinks how things should be. So his general play, he's playing on the left-hand side. Didn't touch the ball. I kept saying when I was doing the commentary, got to get the big players on the ball. Him, Casemiro and... Um, Rashford didn't do it in the first 45 minutes. Rashford gets a golden opportunity, decides to hit it first time when he had time to control it. And then the se- his second touch would have been a goal. That's where his strength has been all season. But he failed at that moment. Um, it's proven that Marcus Rashford is not a centre forward. When it matters, yeah. he's not. So I couldn't see, and I've, I know I've jumped on a little bit, why he didn't move him back to the left. Why didn't he, he put Veghorst through the middle? To, just to see how Van Dyke dealt with up, up against his up against a countryman, something a little bit aggressive, to put him under pressure. Because he looked quite vulnerable in that first half. Liverpool looked quite vulnerable when, when United didn't really affect him. But the, the key thing to me is that he never tried enough um, Fernandes to get into the game. He didn't go looking for the ball, even if that meant being ill-disciplined to step out of an area and leave it open. But he didn't go looking for the ball, didn't try and get in the game. And and, that's a, and that was a concern to me. He couldn't get, he didn't get close enough to join, link up with Casemiro. Um, 
Fred was all over the place, maybe because of the fact of the midfield wasn't right, because of the ill-discipline of yeah. Fernandes. And that's what it brought. Fred needs to know a job, and you've seen Fred, when he's played, he's deserved to be in that starting lineup. But because yeah. of Fernandes being so ill-disciplined as he is when a United team isn't winning, because it's about him throwing his arms up at people, throwing his arms up at officials, throwing himself to the floor when he's been touching his chest, holding his face. I don't enjoy any of that. It doesn't matter if it's Manchester United or Wickham Wanderers. I can't stand players who want to cheat against their fellow pros. I really don't understand. I really don't get it. Because he'll be the first person, as you know, Wayne, that if someone done that to him, he'll be the first person to complain. He wouldn't eat humble pie and hang his head in shame and say, I can't say anything because I know I do it myself. He'll be the first person who'd want to say something. Should he be captain of Manchester United? Not in a million years. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for Ten Hag. I mean, we'll talk about what he's supposed to do in the aftermath of this. But, I mean, the captaincy is going to be one question to be asked. I mean, I, I don't suspect he'll take it off him this close to the end of the season. But I, I do think that that'll be a situation that we'll address in the summer. And you'll probably see Martinez or Casemiro named club captain or something if McGuire's moved on. There are a lot of comments coming in, um, mostly in agreement uh, that a lot of people talking over the... Um, of the different um, elements of the performance. Box says the mental fragilities of the old guard were there for all to see. We listed them all earlier. De Gea, Fred, Rashford, Dallo, Bruno and Shaw. Patrick says Shaw, his improvement this season is there, but again, he dwells on the ball a second too long. He needs to use his left foot to move the ball upfield or with more urgency. Um... Ben says about Nunez tried to headbutt Shaw in response. Liverpool were lucky he wasn't on his feet. Yeah, but Shaw, Shaw should have gone. Nunez possibly should have gone. I think the referee lost control of it a little bit. There was a moment earlier that I'm not blaming. I'm not saying that this is influential on the result, but there was a moment where Fabinho was booked and there was a vi- meant to be a VAR check on an elbow that Fabinho was meant to have thrown, but the referee seemed to block, book him for the second offence. And never went back to check when you know in reality it was two bookables. Uh, but you know we could have easily seen Bruno sent off the simulation. Um, Bruno uh, Patrick says, "Look, it's not to see Redford the petulant nursery style slap on the back of the system ref, and you might see that that might get a charge or something." Um, then you got a couple of comments like these. Box says, "Old players cheat. It's 2023. I see more diving than skills." Ben agrees with that. Definitely part of the game in 2023. Um, ben says about uh, Bruno, I think the opposite, Paul, I think they all tried to do their own thing and take the game back and that just left maths well, for Liverpool to exploit. I think the point is that Bruno's meant to be showing the leadership, in, especially in, in, in deficit when you're behind. supposed to respond in a certain way and, and obviously he was leading that... Um, Ryan, God, so many comments coming in, guys, but keep them coming in. They're great. Um, Ryan says, Fred was the only one to come out with any credit at all. Yesterday, we fell apart when he came off of McTominay. Yeah, that's fair. Patrick says, it might sound absurd. Anthony's far too one-footed to play down the right. Um, Connor says, need to calm down a bit. Okay, it was an absolute disgrace for the second half performance, but it was one game. Let's see how they... Um, Let's our team react. Yeah, I mean, we are going to be seeing that. Um, John also said it's back to zero with these players. Any credit they had in the banquets, well and truly gone. They have to go and prove it all again now. Uh, shambles and disgraceful. Um, 
So Ryan, 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 that one coming to this one game. It's more. It's more than one game. It was a game where everyone. Just, it was a game. It was a judgment day of a team that had been in great form, who just won a, a big, won a cup competition, and they've had it really have upped up the stakes from when from when things were bad at the start of the season. And then you're looking them to perform against a team for their standards has had an awful season, awful season compared to last season. And you're looking them to go there, and then you're looking at a test of character. And of of a lot of, of the team, and they failed when it was needed. They're still in contention to still win a league title. You can't write that off. They're still in contention, even though that showed there's a reason why they can't win a league title. Because when it mattered, few the few of them went back, as mentioned before, went back to their old ways. So it's not it's not just you can't talk about a one off. It's a judgment game. Doesn't matter what season United under Sir Alex. Even under Sir Alex and Tommy Doherty's every previous manager, the Liverpool game is always a judgment one to test the characters of players at Anfield. Yeah. And when you got when you got your captain as a Roy Keane, a Brian Robson, a Steve Bruce, even even you know an Eric Cantona, you're looking for someone to come down and get his finger into the face of some players and tell them to calm down and relax. And that's what happened. And that person couldn't do it because he wasn't, and there wasn't no one around. The team were not relaxed at all. The goal that was given away before half-time was because the team was the team was in the wrong place at the wrong time, mentally and physically. So I don't have that when people come out. No, it's just it's just a one-off. It's not just a one-off when you're Manchester in the game in that scenario. It, would it be the same if it was Brentford? Did they people go as a one-off because it was Brentford? Or the no. Brighton, or the Brighton at home. No, it's a big no. problem when when you're a big club. Yeah, um, I'll come to some a couple of really good questions from uh, Barry and Ben. I'll come to them in a second. I do want to ask you that though. The point you were kind of making there, Paul. What is your instinct when when it goes to three 0 You're a professional player. You're probably not going to get anything out of the game. Are you thinking? Do you just keep some modesty in this, or do you chase it? I mean, is there anything that could have been done at three? To stop it becoming seven, yeah, you're looking to virtually kill the game, and if anything, from that moment on, it becomes nil nil, and it never looked that way because they lost their discipline. They lost their discipline. The captain wasn't doing his job. You're looking for your senior players, and there was nothing there when it really mattered. Um, I question the substitutions. I've, I don't really want to go against um, Ten Hag, but I question it. Bringing on Ganacho was the wrong was the wrong decision in a game like that. The game. Had, God, it was a wrong decision to bring him on. Maybe, you know, you can look at it. I, I was When I saw there was going to be a double substitution, Sabitza was the one for me who was going to come on. Had to come on. As soon as he came on, you could see the way he played. He kind of steadied himself up and he stood He stood upright and he tried his best. Bringing on Scott McTominay was the wrong thing to do, in my opinion. I don't know why he went on. Mm. That double substitution, the first double substitution, took the game away, took the midfield away. Marcus Rashford should have come to the left to occupy um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Not that he was having a great game at all, but just to get Marcus Rashford in some in territory where he knows, because he's, he's not a centre-forward. You know, and if anything, you get Bruno back maybe to the right, see if you can get him to sort, him, sort his head out. You get Sabitza in, into the middle to maybe to steady up. But if you take off Fred and you bring on Scott McTominay, you lose legs. You lose energy. You lose legs and energy. 
That's what you lose. Some you lose somebody if he does get on the ball, can't move it quick enough as well out of his feet. So they lost direction. That that substitution totally took took the took the game away. Took the game away the moment they did that. It lifted Liverpool. They just ran straight through that midfield because of no thread there. So Veghorst was out of his depth in that game, as it showed um, in Barcelona as well. That game was trying to play him in there wasn't going to work. Maybe Savitsa, as been mentioned, should have started in there. You know, sentiment is great, but it could co- it can cost you. And I don't know if sentiment went there because of the way he's been playing. But it it cost it cost him the opportunity maybe to stay in the game. Yeah, a um, couple of like I said, a couple of good comments. Barry says I was surprised at the lineup. We knew they would come at us. We were too light in midfield. I would have started Sabitzer instead of Vegos. Marcus on the left and Bruno in the middle. Ben says we had a good first half as well. It's that second half that's so bizarre. I mean, this is the secondary point, Paul. You know. What does Ten Hag do from this point of view? Because I don't think the answer is to take the players in and run 20, uh, 12 kilometres. And I, th- I think the truth is, like you said earlier, maybe that Ten Hag got it wrong as well. I don't think um, he's reached a stage where being pragmatic with the squad, with this team now, is necessarily being defensive and cagey. I think he could have done that and still been positive. I mean, I think, like you said, Wambasaka could have played from the start behind uh, Alexander-Arnold to start with. That's all right. You can't get every selection right. And those choices still don't explain a 7-0 defeat. I think the bigger problem for me is, and one thing that we can take away, is that Ten Hag still hasn't got it right in a big game away from home. But it was odd because from 20 to 40 minutes, we did look like we were growing into it. And then without wanting to excuse them, Liverpool's first five shots all went in. So on one hand, you can almost say it's like an outrageous fluke in the second half, but that is an excuse and there's no way to hide anything from it. So considering we're now in March and not in August, and you know he's going to have to make some kind of statement in some respect, what lesson does Ten Hag take from what happened yesterday? I don't think you'll... I think he knows the situation. When I listen to his post-match, and I'm not normally one of those people who do that, but I kind of stayed and I had, I had to listen. And what he's and what he said for me, he knows already the way he come across, and he knows everything that's going on. Um, players who have done well, the players who were there before have done well. I think that they're, they're there in that you know in his in his in his sight as players that he, he's going to he's going to be looking to replace. He wants to replace. You know, and I'm certainly really, really disappointed with Luke Shaw, with his attitude and everything about him because he put himself in such a good place with, I think, with a lot of fans and the way he's come back, the way his game's gone on. And, you know, and I've eaten humble pie over the fact he's performed. But when you really needed him to show that kind of leadership, which he's taken on that mantle of leadership, he just seemed like, and I've seen that a few times in games, and I just thought, well, okay. But he seems like he just wants to. He wants to fight the world now. He's suddenly gone from somebody who couldn't run, wouldn't run, somebody who didn't want to defend and just kept pushing people over all the time, fouling, just kept clipping people's heels because he didn't want to run back, to this kind of person who was getting on the ball, running forward with the ball, running forward about the ball. No one was getting round him easy. Leadership qualities playing in the back in the back four as one of the centre halves, and then all of a sudden he. You seem to got very, very emotional, and then suddenly thought, 
you know, thought he was in the boxing ring and he wanted to fight people, kicking out at people, pushing people. And he could he could have quite easily, with a weaker referee, by the way, have been sent off yesterday. It was easy for a referee to be caught up because one thing I saw that every time a Manchester United player went to that touchline, it was it was it was feeding time at the zoo. But yeah. some of those fans in there, what they were doing, I'm seeing women, I'm seeing granddads, I'm seeing kids, I'm seeing things that if I saw friends or members of my family acting like that, I would have to call them out because it was disgraceful what some of them were doing. And even at, even at Old Trafford, Liverpool players going down. But it's not like that. It's not It's not like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's terrible. If, if that's how people with football and that human beings like that over a game of football... Especially how football is, because if they just touch somebody and they overact, you think, yeah, he's playing the game. No, they thought that sometimes people have brought a knife out on one of their players. It was it was shocking. So you needed cool heads. It should have been said, cool heads, whatever you do, don't roll the fans. Is what you do when you go away from home anywhere. That's one of the things I learned as a footballer. I learned it more when I was Manchester United, because... Everyone wanted to beat you. They wanted the good times as quick as possible. So you don't give them the good times. You don't give them that bit of flaring up. I mean, you know, when we was going to Anfield, we was going to Main Road, we was going to White Hart Lane, we was going to Highbury. It's one of the things the boss always said, and every time it was always a worry when you had a, maybe to the point of a Paul Ince, a Roy Keane and an Eric Cantona, you worried about them doing something to ignite the crowd when you're away from home. And, and, that's, and that's what it was about. And it, well, there was no one there to control that side of it. You're looking for Luke Shaw, one of the serve, longest-serving players now in that 11. You're looking for him. He's been there through the bad times to kind of go, chill, calm down. We're in a good place. We're at Anfield. Let's go and show the reason why we're coming here with everyone believing this is the best Manchester United team to come here for eight, nine years. Yeah. And it was, and it was suddenly blown out of the water by egos. Massive egos has blown that out of the water. Do you think that with that, I think that's a really good point and something that I've sort of brought up in conversation over the past season is when we're tracking the improvement that we're looking at, there's still this like number of squad players who are in the first team and you're thinking, all right, what's your ceiling? How, how good are you? How far can you go? And again, without turning this into being critical about their performances yesterday, but looking at their reaction to defeat yesterday, you think that maybe what you see in Shaw and Bruno is that they can't impact positive change on a game with their performance in a game like that, and the frustration boils over into seeing the kind of reaction, regardless of what it is. It's just evidence, unless they prove otherwise in this sort of next year or so, and they're going to have to do that on the pitch in performances, it's just evidence that they won't do, they can't make the difference in the United team that challenges for the title. That's, yeah, where, yeah. that's where they found out at that level. Yeah, but that's, the, that's what I keep saying about Bruno. I've said it on quite a few occasions. The reason why he has come to a club of Manchester United standing so late in his career, there is something that there is something we've seen it. We've seen it. It's been going on. It's been going on since um, the league went from lockdown league to real football league with fans in there. He's, he's everything now. He didn't really see it during the lockdown league, but you've seen it now with crowds around. Everything about him and it's been going on. But it's been masked because Manchester United have been winning games. The fans have taken to him. They sing his name. And a lot of them are seeing it, but they're dismissing it because of his 
because of his goals, assists, and they're not looking at it. And yet, you can look at it and you can talk about Marcus Rashford. You and I always say, Marcus Rashford. Everyone goes, oh, and when I'm reading, he's the best player in Europe at the moment. His ratio was the best goal scorer in Europe, not the best player. Because you look at his general play, it's not very good. You're looking for it yesterday, it was poor. Poor. But you've been asked to play centre-forward. It doesn't mean it's just made for you to score a goal. It's made it's made to the fact of you to bring people into the game. You know, he, the, most he, he couldn't, the way he was playing, he couldn't even, couldn't even bring his mum through the front door. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't delivering. He was not. Deli- didn't deliver. Wasn't working for him. If, again, I use a player. The best player I can ever mention about this situation is Sparky. Sparky would be having a terrible game. It could be his touch. He's been that centre half would walk off the pitch with with his shins battered, with his everything around him, his hips, his chest. Because Sparky's jumping in to make his game horrible. When he ain't going right, Marcus Rashford would just throwing his arms at oh, jogging. I'm watching Anthony jogging. I'm watching Bruno Fernandes. There's one incident where he's tried to foul a player. He's tried to foul the young lad who come on, the young boy, the 18. He's tried to foul him, didn't get away with it. So he didn't, didn't work. The lad stayed on his feet and he walks. We see the camera shows him eight, nine, ten yards. You see him walking back as Liverpool counter-attacking against him. The ball's come from his domain, and I'm there, and I think to myself, you've got to run. I'm looking at it, I think to myself, I know I'm not going to get it, but you've got to run because you've got, you've got teammates. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The, that's, and that's one thing that's, I think has been forgotten in football because of maybe society today. But there's 11 of you out, 10 of you out there, outfield players, and you run for each other and I don't think I've ever during my time of playing I'm trying to think now of anyone I could think of one player if I could think of one I certainly wouldn't name him but I couldn't tell you one player in my head now who I would have turned around called him ever called him or ever thought he was a cheat because he didn't want to work hard and I asked the question has football changed that much now to the fact of now then it's not really a team game anymore. It is in theory because it's 11 against 11. But when it comes down to when things aren't going right, does it suddenly disappear from becoming a team game to the fact of where you can actually see the real men in the team, the ones who still want to work hard when things ain't going right? Because I'm quite sure that if Bruno Bruno was to play in the next game, which is on, is it Thursday they play? Thursday. And then they play on Sunday that Bruno would do something well and everyone would start singing his name and he would carry on as normal. And, everyone, yeah. and, a lot, and a lot of the fans will forget. And the thing about it, in a game of that magnitude, it shouldn't be forgotten. Because when I was playing, when, and I played in some games, I still think about it, I played, in that, I played in the York City game. I played in a team that lost at Leeds that time. And just walking around, just being around Manchester, even though you live, felt very, very, you just didn't, you didn't want to look up in case someone would look at you and kind of just, and you, you wonder, are they talking about you because of what's happened? Those kind of situ, you know, those kind of situations, the defeat of, you know, for me, how I felt after, what, six, seven months after, or no, sorry, let's, about six months after leave, losing the QPR, we get beaten at home 4-1. I didn't want to walk off the pitch. I just wanted the hole to drag me down. Yeah. QPR, QPR fans singing you shouldn't have left the Rangers. 
It's embarrassing. It's awful. And I couldn't live with it walking around. And that was me moving up to what I see, saw as a proper football city where yeah. football football mattered to people's lives. How many of those players are going to be like that today? I don't think, I really don't think that matter. It's bothering yeah. you, Wayne, and it's bother, bothering me down in Essex. Because I know yeah. that every Tom, Dick and Harry is going to want to, I mean, I had it when I was coming home. I had a bloke come up to me on a train coming home, come up to me and just started talk, want to talk to me about it. Just, it's absolutely amazing how much difference it makes on something like that. So some of those players, and I don't want to hear, I don't want to see the feeble things on social media because that's rubbish. You know, you're looking for a player to stand up and talk to a proper journalist about it, a proper journalist, not one who works, you know, all the time on social media. Somebody with, with something notoriety behind them or something that you can turn around and they talk about because that was shameful what I yeah. saw yesterday. Some player, you can, you can always have a bad game because you're human. A bad game doesn't come about because they're tired. I've seen a few people saying, talking about fixture congestion and talking about tiredness and everything. That's rubbish. Hard work is always there because it's there. It's always yeah. there. Hard work. Everyone can work hard, but you can only work hard. It doesn't matter how fit you are. It's about how mentally strong you are and how much you're concerned about the people, letting the people down around you. If you can live... As Bruno Fernandes, if you can actually live with that and look at everyone in that dressing room today or tomorrow and you can live with it, then you're not the right person to be playing football. No, it's very strong and difficult to disagree. Um, not that I would disagree with what you've said there. The, the other thing is that when you look at um, the reaction of some of the players, and I know you mentioned McTominay and they spelled blood when McTominay came on and, it, you know, they've had a whale of a time, like, piercing through the field. The problem is, it's the reaction of the players that makes that, uh, takes it from a 3-0 to a 7-0, really, and the way that they gave up. And that's, the, I mean, you could look at the manager and say certain things, but those are the players, they've got to look at themselves in the mirror and sort of come to that conclusion themselves, you know. A manager can sort of say this or that, but if those players don't address that themselves, then... It doesn't matter what they say or do. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. they can't see that themselves. Like, that's the bigger issue for for the club um, and themselves. Um, Andy says, "I can't stand the lack of metal at Anfield. It's gone on for a long time now. This, the awful culmination was yesterday. I'm still shell shocked. It's a disgrace." Patrick says, "To be fair to Ten Hag, I checked his Ajax record. It is sprinkled with a few big defeats here or there, with a high win percentage, which tells me he's high risk. But when it goes wrong, it can be a disaster." Still a load of comments coming in. Um, Patrick says, um, you pull spot on about Rashford playing in the number nine. The opposition defenders must always feel they're in a game and constant danger from the striker. Oh, again, it might be better if Rashford had played from the left. Or, you know, obviously there was a lot of um, problems with the with the um, with the service as well, and then one more comment before we move on. He says it is still a team game, Paul. But I think we saw that our players forgot that yesterday. I guess that's why Ten Hag said it was unprofessional, and he actually said that two or three times. And I think if you say it unprofessional, I mean that is that alongside calling a player a cheat is probably as stabbing as it can be. There are the two worst things you can say to a player. So hopefully that'll be the message that's on Carrington this morning. I mean. Paul, for me, you said how we're both feeling about it, and I've said earlier, you know, I'm feeling numb. I can't really sort of really 
completely compute everything. It's been particularly painful. Is because because of the optimism in recent weeks and months, and the fact that Liverpool are obviously in their own transition as well. I mean, it went to three 0 The team folds. This conceding the sort of goals that you see of a team when they're completely shattered, letting goals in in the six yard box repeatedly, which is is very dangerous. It gives you very. That's a team that. You think they're they're doomed to relegation, conceding goals like that. I'm trying to find some kind of solace in the fact that some managers have had these. Busby had one against Sport in Lisbon. I think the Busby Babes even let five goals in at home to City. Fergie lost five one at City before it started getting better. Yes, I know we lost four 0 at Brentford, but Ten Hag's had a little bit of time in the job. I'm not saying it's a good implosion to have. What I'm trying to take is a positive from it, a timely reminder for him and for all of us, and for the players, if they take the message that there is no hiding place, there is a ceiling for some of these players, they've realised that they're close to that. Now, there's a there's ways of dealing with it. You either deal with it professionally and be a good, reliable member for your squad, or you become a damaging member for the team. And what we saw yesterday with Bruno and Shaw in particular was crossing over. I mean, even Dallo, I mean... His defending wasn't great, and it definitely contributed to the defeat, but he didn't implode in the same way that Shaw and Fernandez did in this ways of dealing with it. Um, ben oh, says, the seven makes it surreal. The defeat against them last season felt worse because it confirmed our worst fears and condemns Solskjaer. This time, it depends how we react exactly. That's another thing. One thing I do want to mention before we move on to Real Betis, um, Paul, I know you were covering the game yesterday. Sky Sports coverage. Um, and I know some guys in the comments will want to have your comments about this, so please feel free. They were almost crowing about it, and it was a bit difficult um, to watch that. Is this you subscribing? Normally, I go to the game, I didn't get a ticket for yesterday, so it's an away game. I'm watching it on Sky. And afterwards, Graham Souness is joking about wanting a, rec- a recliner in the studio. It felt so unprofessional to have them laughing and joking about it. It was almost like it, as they were going on, they were laughing about the result, they were laughing and joking about it, and then halfway through the laughing and joking, Sunessa's true bitterness comes out. He says, he starts going like, United have been getting away with it. And I know we were saying earlier, like, wins paper over crap. It's a very difficult situation, a very different conversation to the one that we're having in terms of saying United still needed to improve. To start saying they have they've been getting away with it. He said they got away with it in the cup final. They got away with it against Barcelona. They played brilliantly against Barcelona. Yes, it, it wasn't a perfect cup final performance, but it was professionally dealt with. But he was weaponized. He was carried away as if like United are in some kind of free fall and they've just been getting there. And obviously, it was just. Um, a reaction of him being annoyed at the praise that United have been getting. But also, it kind of puts Liverpool in a different light. Like, suddenly, they're going to start battering everyone 7-0 every week, and, and they're not going to do that. That was a freak of, yeah, all right, it was a, a horrible freak to watch. But if you look at it reasonably, you're saying that Liverpool have still got a lot of the same problems. That, that midfield is very weak. The defence is very suspect. And attacking-wise, they're not going to find... A ratio. They're not going to find a team that is giving away goals in a six-yard box in the same way that United were for the last half an hour yesterday. It's not going to happen every week. And I don't know. Like when you're 
you're obviously in a position where obviously sometimes people criticise you for the way that you analyse United games. What do you feel is your responsibility when you're in the studio there? Because I just felt, watching that, <clears throat> I felt Sunes, Carragher to an extent, but you know he's kind of the personality that he puts on, but Sunes, he was very, very good. I just expected you know like people to remember what's what's gone on before, not just look at that one game and then dismiss what's happened before. Liverpool have been poor all season. They've been ripped apart twice by Brighton. Brighton have ripped them apart on a couple of occasions, and they, it's been a poor, poor season. They should be looking at that, going, "Well, that's unexpected. We'll take that." And their biggest problem is they've got to try and replicate that form now to the end of the season to get in the Champions League. But it seems like. They have forgot. They have forgotten about everything else, and they've gone back to where they thought they were last season. So, but I just, I mean, I don't watch anything now with with Sky or anything. I don't watch anything before. I don't watch anything at half time. I just watch the forty five minutes football because I just, especially with Sky, um, I just what I hear and. Um, especially in the game like that when Sky is geared up towards Liverpool and Liverpool and then Gary Neville and Manchester United and it's 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 poor. I mean, before I remember everything you've done in the media, don't his virtue was don't show your colours. People know who you played for, yeah. but you try your best to be you got to be unbiased. You don't ever you try not to show it, but you always it's always gonna happen. It's human nature, especially if you've got a soft spot. But now it's a case of just wear your heart on your sleeve. The the squealing in the um in the comment in the commentary box, you know, and something that goes to one of the goals you could hear the squealing. I think when Salah's goal, when it was, it was it was incredible, and it I find it I find it embarrassing to be perfectly honest. You think sometimes you get caught. You think, oh no, what have I done? And people moan about it. it. Seems like we've we've accepted it now. Everyone accepts now. Sky is very pro Liverpool, so when they win, you're going to get that. So I don't think Gary helps himself by trying to get involved in it as well. Best thing Gary could do to to show his, his show his way about it is not to get involved in it, not get involved. But he gets involved in it, easily bought into it, and and it's just it's quite embarrassing to be perfectly honest. Grand Sooners was very vicious. I saw a bit the way he was when I come home. How how. How quite and what, what I mean, I hate using the word, but it was bitter just by how his face was. It made it it come across like that, kind of like seriously, seriously hate. You know, yeah. people ask me, Live, I don't enjoy Liverpool winning. It's as simple as that. <laughs> if they're winning, I'm in there, I'll turn it over. I just don't want to see it. But to come out and say it like it was like some, you know, someone had smashed your car in or something yeah. like that, and you got it. Yeah. But you know, it looks that way, but. It's still a game of football. It's still the, one of the best rivalries in the world. It's definitely a more nastier, bitter game when it's at Anfield. Yeah. Without without a shadow of a dog. I mean, shadow of a doubt. It shocked me when I played. My, went there the first time ever. I never knew, never ever anything like that. But yeah, it's wrong. But it's what they've allowed. They they believe it's great TV. I think there's more people out there who don't like it than do like it to be perfectly honest, but who am, who am I to say that? But it seems to be working. It seems what they want. They want that rivalry on TV. So there you are. Yeah. I, I, your first visit to Anfield was the one where famously Ryan Giggs was asked for his autograph and then someone scrum, scrumpled it up and threw it back at him. 
and Liverpool won that game and we didn't win the title. I would hope that um, it's about, obviously it's a very different era and a massively different result, but obviously they're crowing about the fact that they inflicted a heavy defeat on us when we think that we, we're, you know, we're on the up. Um, and we are on the up. We're still above Liverpool in the table. I started to... Uh, I had a conversation. My nephew gave me a FaceTime. My nephew's only eight. FaceTime me after the result. Like, and he wasn't crying. He wasn't up, He was upset. He was like, can you tell me what happened, Uncle Wayne? So I had to try and sort of make him feel better about it. You know, I said, well... I don't know if it, if it did make him feel any better. So, like, you know, this is the worst it's ever been in terms of a result. So the chances are you won't see anything that bad again ever. Um, <laughs> although, having said that, the uh, the 5 nil was on his birthday last year, so I, I don't want to make him any empty promises. But the point is, hopefully some of these players will be looking at themselves thinking, you know, this is, you know, look at what they were doing. Look at the way that they've celebrated that 7 nil. They're rubbing your nose in it. Bruno and Shaw are getting all the headlines today for the wrong reasons, particularly Bruno. Is he going to take a look in the mirror and sort of say, all right? Because people used to say about this about Rooney and about Roy Keane, oh, you don't want to take that out of them because it changes the player they are. That's not the same kind of thing as with Bruno. He needs to really take a reality check there. And I, I still like him. I still think he's one of our better players, but he does need to get over this side of himself because if he doesn't, that's a massive problem for our team. Um, anyway... Um, 45 minutes talking about that, Paul. Let's and I don't know what Tenog does because obviously, what he did for the Brentford game is you know, he brought them all in to run the distance. I don't know what he does this time around because we are games are coming thick and fast. You don't have a transfer window to throw a player in, there's not really that many. You know what I mean? Can he take Bruno out? I, I personally would. I think him and Shaw deserve a couple of games on the bench to sort of really consider what they what they did in terms of you know the way that they conducted themselves in, in United losing um that's a, that's a that's a difficult one Wayne because you still you look at it you still don't want to weaken it look weaken it in a way you still want things to carry on there's still continuity there the continuity um won't suddenly disappear because of one awful performance and results so you put them back out there. You put them back out on the stage again, and and let them let them go out there and be judged again how they conduct themselves, and see what happens then. And if Bruno was to kick off again and do something, the fans should the fans should let him know because the fans should be judging him to see if he has learned anything. Because that whole thing about him, he completely forgot about his teammates and made his argument and everything. The, everything going weren't going for him. He made his argument with the officials and players of Liverpool rather than dragging out a few of his teammates who weren't pulling their weight, who were never going to pull their weight with him telling them because they, they've been watching him. They've been seeing what he's been doing, you know, and can go through, you can talk about all these people who wouldn't do it, but we're in, we're in a different world now where everyone, the mental strength of footballers today are nowhere near as strong as what they were 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Completely different. There was better. I mean, everyone wants to talk about the quality of the players. Yes, technically they are better because the pitches are better. Everything's better on that side of it. But when it comes to the big heart and the mindset and the fact of going through brick walls, you, you're not going to get m- much of that now. So what you do is you throw them out. You throw them out there again, and you and you 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 question them about how much 
what they thought about. Have they have they been told? Have they been reading? Have they do they understand what people are saying? So when they go out, when they go and warm up, go out to warm up, they should be maybe hanging their heads a little bit, and then when they play and know that everyone's going to be staring at them, Luke Shaw should look when he's defending to defend properly. Is he going to kick someone down because he can't be bothered? Is he going to track someone back? Is he going to get confrontational when things don't go his way? Bruno, is he going to start getting people and tugging people's shirts and clenching his fist and saying, come on, be stronger, come on, run, don't don't stop there, go further. Do Is he going to start commanding what the armband around his arm means? Because everyone now, captaincy has changed now. People are looking more for it in, in football, where before there was only so few, there was captains, but there was only so few before many years ago, because it was just seen as a position given to so-called best player. My first real captain I played for was Brian Robson. Yeah. I suddenly realised what a captain was all about. Yeah. I, you know, and now that's been followed on in certain ways at United when other players have got it. It's leadership on and off the pitch. It's been let down immensely. Yeah. Really, really badly by Bruno. You know, I, was, I wasn't a fan of Ashley Young having it. But the Bruno one has completely wiped that off. Wiped that off. It's just absolutely ridiculous now. It's in, if it's supposed to be about your best player having the armband, before it was the most expensive player in Maguire. Now, if it's supposed to be your your best player, as such your most influential player having it, then it's wrong, really, that he's that he's wearing our armband because if he's if he's influential with the ball, he's he's not influential without it because he's not leading anyone except himself. No. Yeah, again, damning, but, but absolutely fair. Um, I think the, the other thing is, like, this time last year when United lost for uh, Anfield, it was like, you know, everyone was pointing the finger at these players and saying they won't have a long-term career at United. But it was like, <clears throat> you know, Maguire, Lindelof, McTominay from the start, Wan-Bissaka, and a lot of those players weren't playing yesterday. So they, the players who were playing who were part of it, they've got to really take a look at themselves because... You can look at the the newer players and say that they underperformed. Of course, that they did, but the issue, the primary issue, lies with those existing players, and and they really need to buckle up. And it is that that kind of thing that you talk about often, Paul. On Thursday night, it is about a performance. You know, not just the result. They're going to need a response in terms of performance. What I want to ask you is it to to. Um, close off the podcast and maybe you'll have a positive message for this I, I don't know um, do you do you trust the players to come out and give a, a positive response on Thursday I, I personally don't think that he'll be thinking that way well he will be in a bit but he will be going that down that line but, but there's going to be no as far as I'm concerned there's no choice you go out there it's up to you <laughs> you make you you, 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 you you sort the destiny of your future out at this football club when you play on Thursday. Yeah. And if you go out there and if you re- go and carry that on, then he won't have, the manager won't have to make the decision. The fans will make the decision and he'll just carry out, carry it out. And that player then should be hoping that to, should go and knock on his door, have his contract cut, say he wants to walk away so he can get away very, very quickly and not just hang about on a peripheral and just happy to take his money. That's, you know, let, let, the, let, the play, let the player decide what he wants to do with his career and then let the fans decide if that player should be at the football club because the manager, I think he already knows what he already knows what he's doing just by the way he is. I think everyone knows and believes 
in him and the way he's, and what he's doing. So I would let them go. I'd, I'd play. I'd play the same team. To be perfectly honest, I'd play and, and judge them all. And you see them all collectively, and then you look for the players who are giving that bit more and demanding more from others. Because a few of them, the one there was, you know, not everyone were like those two. There was others who didn't give their best. I think um, Martinez comes off. I don't know the reason. Was the manager worried about him getting sent off? I don't know. Was it down to him? That's his first... You talk about games he's been involved in. That's his poorest game, or the team's poor, since Brentford. Yeah. Everyone wants to have a go at Brentford. He just had... A, that's his first experience of that. And I don't think he, he's experienced anything like that for a long time after playing in Holland. So he's had a poor game. Varane didn't have his best game, but he's judged by the second half and the fact that they conceded seven goals. Easy to say the centre-halves haven't played well. But the reason why the centre-halves didn't play well, because the mid, there was no midfield there. There was no legs in midfield. That's the best Liverpool's midfield have played all season. The reason why there was up against a team that might as well have gone out in midfield with Zimmer frames on. There was, the, only, the only legs in there was Fred. So that's why I just felt that, if anything, you put Fernandes in there, just to run about at least, he would be forced to run about rather than staying on the left saying, I'm not getting the ball. Because it was like that. It was like, it was like a young boy saying, a left winger saying, they're not giving me the ball, coach. The coach would normally say, go and find it then. Go and improvise. But he didn't. He stayed out there like a spot little child and didn't want to get involved. Meant he didn't have to run around. His golden opportunity come with a header mm-hmm. at the far post and he didn't grab onto that. And that would, that would, have, tra- that would have changed his game if he had scored that goal. Yeah. Completely changed it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, ben says, was Casemiro carrying a rock after the early challenge? Maybe. He, he looked a real shadow yesterday. It wasn't a good game for him. But I think that's as well, though, because the team, and you look at him, he had no one to play with. He had no one to play with. He, did, he couldn't go left because the man on the left didn't really want to get involved. If Rashford's there, he could roll the ball to Rashford. Rashford could get up the field. Rashford could have gone for the, the main weak link in a Liverpool team. That's the thing about it. Their right back is their weak link. As with Bruno's head, as you saw, it doesn't look around. Never once was he going to be tested by Bruno because Bruno was always going to come in his right foot, was never going to run behind him. So it made his game easy. He looks comfortable. He looks like he had a good game, but he was never tested. Yeah. And that's the thing, I, that's the bit I don't understand. I don't really, Ganacho just wasn't up to it. He hasn't got that change of pace that's going to threaten um, Alexander-Arnold. He hasn't got that. His game's a different kind of game as a wide. It's more durable the way he plays. And if you're going to play Ganacho sometimes, he should have maybe started that game when it, to give a little bit more balance on that left-hand side rather than Fernandes playing now. It's just, yeah, the horse has bolted, but... There you are. There was no great balance on that side at side at all. Yeah, um, and then Ben just to close off saying I agree about that, Paul. I guess that's on Ten Hag for his selection. Yeah, I think this has been a difficult learning curve for Ten Hag, and I think that yeah, maybe one of those two of those selections um, in big games away from home is really going to have to be. Like I said, you could have been pragmatic, more pragmatic yesterday, with still an, an ambitious attitude to win the game. I don't think. Being more pragmatic with the selection yesterday would have been surrendering that. Um, but you know, big, big couple of weeks for United coming up. Um, it's going to be a couple of weeks until Paul and I are back. I'm away for a little while. Um, in in that time, obviously, United are going to be playing Southampton, Fulham in the league, and the Real Betis tie. So, hopefully, it looks like a fairly 
not, I'm not going to say comfortable, but it's an encouraging run of fixtures for United to try and recover their form. And United, at least after setbacks this season, have shown good recovery on form. So let's hope that next time Paul and I are here, um, we are talking about a more positive um, run of results for Manchester United. If you've enjoyed watching, I really appreciate that. Please like and subscribe. Um, if you're watching the replay, say hello. And feel free to comment and we do reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, please be sure to um, subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on. Until then, until next time uh, we talk, which is in a couple of weeks, we'll just pretend this never happened, all right? So stay safe, stay well, guys, and uh, thanks for listening and watching.